All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, along with special guest host, Brian McAfee, who joins us for the final installment of our 2022 NFL season preview series as we wrap things up with the AFC North and the NFC North. The Bengals and the Ravens both had surprising 2021 seasons for opposite reasons, as the young Bengals made it all the way to the Super Bowl, while the Ravens dealt with injuries and route to a last-place finish and missing the playoffs for the first time since Lamar Jackson took over as their quarterback. We'll talk about our expectations for both teams, as well as for the Steelers and Browns, as we debate which team is in a better position to contend this year given their quarterback situations. Aaron Rodgers enters 2022 coming off back-to-back MVP performances, but he does so without his former star wide receiver, Devontae Adams, as well as some other key members to his receiving room of those past couple seasons. So we'll talk about whether we believe he can continue his MVP-type play in 2022. And we'll also discuss whether we believe the Vikings can get back to the playoffs after back-to-back losing seasons with a new head coach and new overall leadership in Minnesota. We'll also entertain whether we believe either the Bears or the Lions can compete this season after disappointing finishes near the bottom of the league in 2021. For both divisions, we'll throw out some new additions that we believe could have the biggest impact on how things play out this season, as well as bold predictions for each of them. Finally, we'll wrap this one up with a creatively chosen top five from our guest, Brian, Nickelodeon characters who we believe should be in the NFL. So it should be a, a fun and entertaining one to close out this entire NFL season preview series. So with that, let's get started. have uh, come pretty close to making it at this point the cut down day has come and gone teams are down to 53 roster or 53 man rosters preseason is over and the next football is gonna count very exciting very yeah I'm, I'm glad we can watch finally watch real football now and we have one more divisional preview to get through and we have a now recurring guest at this point on for his third appearance on He's Done It, Brian McAfee. Welcome back, Brian. Thanks, Corey. Great to be back again. Yeah, so another episode of me trying to distinguish between the two Brian's. So we got B Mac and B Wells here. Well just look at the names at the top of the screen. You got B Mac and then B Wells. Yes. I can't can't use the uh the first names without confusing you, but uh, B Mac comes on as a Green Bay Packers fan. Definitely an interesting year for them coming up. But before we talk about the NFC North, 
we're going to start with the AFC North. And let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals, who in 2021, this time a year ago, really, we were talking about whether they had enough offensive firepower to be playoff contenders. Well, it turns out they had more than enough offensive firepower to be playoff contenders. They ended up winning the AFC North and representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. So definitely a surprise appearance for them. They made some moves in the offseason to try to get better in weak spots, particularly on the offensive line. And now their next goal is to go back to the Super Bowl and ideally win it uh, one of these years with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and some of their other young weapons. So the, I guess really the, the big question uh, that we're going to talk about is are the Bengals more likely to go back to the Super Bowl in 2022 or come crashing down a little and miss the playoffs entirely. I do think it'll be really difficult for the Bengals to repeat in the AFC, especially given how competitive the AFC is going to be this year. And I think many of us are expecting the Bengals to regress a little bit. But with that being said, if it's between getting back to the Super Bowl or missing the playoffs entirely, I will definitely lean with, I think it's more likely they get back to the Super Bowl. I think the Bengals are going to continue to have one of the best offenses in the league. Joe Burrow, he's not in that elite tier with Brady Rogers, Mahomes, or Josh Allen, but I think he's in that tier right after those guys. And then Jamar Chase, after one season, has already proven to be one of the best receivers in the whole league. And then T. Higgins might be the best number two receiver in the league. He'd probably be a number one receiver on several other teams. And then Tyler Boyd is a good slot receiver. Joe Mixon, good running back. They also picked up Hayden Hurst to replace C.J. Uzama. So they have plenty of weapons on offense. And then the thing that really held them back last year uh, was their offensive line. They gave up the third most sacks in the entire league. And even though that didn't help them back in terms of regular season success and then playoff success, they did give up nine sacks versus Tennessee, which could have cost them. But then... In the Super Bowl, they did give up a really costly fourth down when Aaron Donald uh, rushed the quarterback. And then he didn't sack Joe Burrow, but Burrow didn't have time to throw it. And it kind of, you could say it really cost him the Super Bowl because it looked like Chase was open uh, on that play. And so that was definitely the biggest weakness on their offense. And what they do, they added multiple offensive linemen in. Ted Karras, who was in New England for several years as a center, and then Alex Kappa in Tampa. And they also added Lael Collins from Dallas. And so they definitely beefed up their offensive line. And then their defense, it's not special by any means, but they do have some playmakers like Jesse Bates, who's been an all-pro safety, and Trey Hendrickson. I think he's had multiple double-digit sack seasons. So like they have guys on their defense that are pretty good or good enough. And I guess another reason why I, I'm leaning more towards them getting back than missing the playoffs entirely is because I believe in the Bengals the most in this division, uh, especially since I'm not that high on the other three as well. So I'm leaning towards getting back, even though it, I do think it'll be difficult. Yeah, I think I would agree as well that they are more likely to get to the Super Bowl than miss the playoffs entirely. Although I don't really think that they will be repeating another trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the AFC is too good with teams like the Bills and the Chiefs um, in there. But 
missing the playoffs entirely, I don't really see them doing that either because I think they're probably better than some of the wildcard teams that could be like uh, the Raiders. I'm not sure if I really trust in the Broncos as much to be better than the Bengals. But uh, like you said, they revamped their offensive line, which is probably their biggest weakness last year. And uh, that just means their offense should only get better as long as the offensive linemen perform the way that they're uh, that they should and they're predicted to. But I'd say out of the wild card teams, uh, the Bengals should seem to be a little bit better than like the Broncos, Raiders, and maybe even the Chargers. Uh, so I could, I don't really see them missing the playoffs, but to get to the Super Bowl, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's a little more likely to get to the Super Bowl, but I think they're a playoff team. So. Uh, B. Wells, he made a comment when talking about the Bengals thing that a lot of people are expecting regression from them this season. And I think that comment just kind of speaks to um, really how much people are throwing in the Bengals' playoff run to their success last season versus what they actually did in the regular season. Because this is a 10-7 and football team last year. In terms of regression based on that alone it feels like this team should be better. Like you said, um, adding a bunch of offensive linemen to an already loaded offense and they have a good enough defense. They just went on a really special run in the playoffs and they beat a Tennessee Titans team on the road that really struggled. A lot of that Ryan Tannehill three really egregious interceptions and they made the most of them kicking just one more field goal to uh to win that one but and the really impressive win was the kansas city kansas one city yes falling they, behind not only were they arrowhead uh-huh. but they were losing 21 to 3 in that game and i yep. i certainly wrote them off i didn't think uh i didn't think they were coming back in that game no and the, the chiefs blew that one in the second half and the Bengals pulled out a, a big overtime win to go to the super bowl and I agree with you guys in that I don't think this team is going to go back to the Super Bowl because the conference is, you know, there's a lot of really strong teams in the AFC. But I think overall the conference is way better than last season. And I think there are a lot of really good teams both in their division and outside the division. I mean, last year the Tennessee Titans were the number one seed in the AFC. And I thought the Titans were a good football team. They were not a great number one seed. I think that this year it's going to be a lot more difficult. And... They have to play a first-place schedule this year. They're going to have to play teams like the Cowboys and the Bucks on the road. And they're just because of that, I think they're, they're going to have a really tall task to really repeat what they did last season. I think that they are more likely to miss the playoffs. And it's not necessarily that I, I'm down on the Bengals or want to like, you know, say, oh, they're not going to be all that good. They're a one-hit wonder. I just think the AFC is like so loaded this year that it's – there, there's a greater chance that there are seven teams who are better than them than they're better than all 15 other teams in the league, which last year I don't think they were better than all 15. I, like I said, I think this made a nice little run to the Super Bowl, but I do think that this is a team that's going to be really good for a long time, as long as Joe Burrow's on a rookie contract especially. Um, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to go on deep runs, but I don't. I don't know if I believe in this team as much, mostly because of how much other competition is in the AFC. But if their offensive line is as improved as it should be after all those free agent signings, they're able to clean that up, then the Bengals should still be a force this year and probably win more than 10 games. So realistically, I do think they are still a playoff team, but 
I think that there are enough teams around them that it's uh, such a tall task to be able to go back to back. And I know it hasn't been the case in recent seasons, especially with teams like Kansas City and New England losing the Super Bowl. But for a long time, team that lost the Super Bowl didn't even go back to the playoffs. Uh, we're talking in like the 2000s into the 2010s. So it is a uh, it's a really difficult thing to do. So I think that. Uh, when I look at this Bengals team, it's going to be a tough task for them this season. And I am probably higher on other teams in this division than you, Brian. So that might be another yeah, thing that's playing I, into it. That's probably that's really the biggest difference between us is that I like the Bengals the most in this division, and that's and I have them winning a course. And so that's really the thing of why I picked them more likely to make it back than than to miss the playoffs entirely. But like you said, there is a lot of competition in the AFC, which is why mm-hmm. I. I do think it'll be really difficult for them to get back. Yeah, I think, uh, Corey, we have pretty similar outlooks on the Bengals' season, it seems, but I go the other way because I think that they, like with Brian, I think they are the best team in the division, so I definitely think they'll be in the playoffs, which makes me put them as more of a Super Bowl contender than missing the playoffs, if that makes sense. But I agree, like, they're kind of not as good as, like, the legit AFC contenders. Yeah, and that does make perfect sense. And it sounds like if we were to just say, what do we think will happen? It's probably they'll make the playoffs and they'll they'll go you know, ten and seven and make the playoffs yeah. and losing the wild card round or divisional round. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although last but, year, I'm pretty sure I said they'd be like three and fourteen and get the first <laughs> overall pick. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we definitely have talked about it a lot, but uh, none of us were very high on the Bengals last year, and they totally proved us wrong. And um, I think it'd be crazy to just kind of dismiss them entirely, but. They're, you know, it's it's it feels like it would be crazy for them to get back to the Super Bowl, uh, just given how good the rest of the conference is, how many really strong teams are in there. Um, but I guess you know, let's talk about some of those other teams in the division. And one team that was a consistent playoff threat the past few seasons before last year was the Baltimore Ravens. As once Lamar Jackson took over late in the 2018 season, they ended up winning enough down the stretch to win the AFC North. And they did the same in 2019, 14-win season. Lamar Jackson won MVP. They took somewhat of a setback in 2020, but still won 11 games, still were a wild card, finally got their elusive first playoff win. But last year, they dealt with injuries throughout the season, really before the season even began, losing their top two running backs in J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, along with Marcus Peters and L.J. Fort to season-ending injuries before the preseason even ended. And then throughout the season, they lost their star left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, star cornerback, Marlon Humphrey. They also lost Derek Wolf and Deshaun Elliott, key defenders among the 19 guys placed on IR, most in the league, with ultimately the biggest injury being Lamar Jackson, who missed the final four games of the season, dealt with some issues throughout, and a Ravens team that started 8-3, and three, finished 8-9, and nine, and missed the playoffs entirely. So in addition to getting a lot of those guys back, with health, uh, they also made some moves in the offseason, signing Marcus Williams and Michael Pierce to boot boost their defense. They also brought in offensive tackle Morgan Moses and a couple playmakers in running back Mike Davis and wide receiver Demarcus Robinson later in the offseason, but both are on their 53-man roster. And they were one of the several big winners of the draft, uh, getting Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Lindebaum in the first round. So the Ravens come in with... Higher expectations because of that, but 
after what happened last season, is this enough? Are they poised to get back into status as a true contender in a loaded AFC? I'm not super bullish on the Ravens this year, but I do think they're good enough to be a six or seven seed in the playoffs. Uh, I don't I don't think Lamar Jackson was very good last season. He only having 16 passing touchdowns, 13 interceptions, but I do expect a big bounce back season, especially in a contract year. And like Cincinnati, Baltimore also did not have a, a great O-line last year. But like you said, they lost Ronnie Stanley, uh, left tackle in week one, and they get him back. And they also drafted Tyler Linder- Linderbaum as well in the first round. So I expect their offensive line to also be an upgrade from last year. And yeah, Corey, you kind of just like stole a bunch of things I was going to say. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Ravens had... One, they, their injury luck was horrible last year. They were really, really It was like uh, historically with, bad with, what happened with them. Yeah. They lost J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, both their first. They're, uh, they're starting running back and their backup running back to torn ACLs before the season even started. J.K. Dobbins, I'm not sure if he'll be ready for week one, but they should get him back soon. And then Gus Edwards is on the PUP to start the year. But again, they'll luckily get him Luckily, they'll get him back soon as well, and so I expect their running game to make a major jump from last year to this year, just given all the injuries that happened, that they had last year, and hopefully uh, for them, they'll all be healthy this year. And then they don't have Marquise Brown anymore, so that will that's a downgrade for their wide receiver room, but they still have Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in the league, and I think Rashad Bateman could have a possible breakout season this year. And then defensively, I... I their line is fine, but what I think the best part of their defense is their secondary. They lost Marcus Peters to a torn ACL, another guy that they lost before the season even started. Marlon Humphrey is a, a great corner. They drafted Kyle Hamilton in the middle of the first round as well at safety, and then they also picked up, like I said, Marcus Williams. And so they got a lot of good, a lot of great pieces uh, in their secondary on their defense. And so I, I, I don't love Baltimore's chances that much as a Super Bowl contender, but I definitely think. The, they have a good shot at making the playoffs, especially if they can stay healthy. Yeah, so I think I'm a little lower on the Ravens this season. I just think the AFC has too many good teams, and I don't think that the Ravens really fall into the top seven, but definitely like between 10 and 8, I could see them, so maybe they could sneak into the playoffs, but um, I really think the Bengals, uh, this is their division, and considering the Ravens got blown out twice last year, to the Bengals, I don't really see them passing them in uh, that division, which I think would be their only chance of making it. Uh, I don't think they're good enough, really, to make the wild card over like the Chargers. Pretty much the entire AFC West is, I think, all playoff teams. <laughs> Maybe the Patriots could sneak into, into there instead of like the Broncos or something. But seriously, the Patriots? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm really a big Broncos guy. But I'm not a big Ravens guy. It's more of the more of the uh, picture here. Um, yeah, last year just couldn't really ever get it together. There were a lot of injuries, like you said, especially even before the season, losing their star running back. But like you said, they lost uh, Marquise Brown, a little bit of firepower on that offense. So they're really even more so going to have to rely on the run. And yeah, that that's that's why I don't love the Ravens. I don't. I don't. I. I so it looks like we're. You have them just outside the playoffs. I have them just in, but neither of us love the Ravens' chances. And no. even though I think their health will be, I like to think it'll be better this year because it couldn't be worse <laughs> on last year. But yeah, in terms of their offense, 
I, I I will say that I I don't like what they have after Andrews and Bateman in terms of the passing game, and so they're, they're really going to rely uh, on the run this year. Yeah, or just, or every year really, just given that they have Lamar as their quarterback. Lamar's just going to have to make something happen every play and chuck it up to Mark Andrews, but. I mean, they did sign Brett Hundley in the offseason. Maybe he'll lead them to the to the Super Bowl. So I guess my first question for you guys is, how high are you on Willie Sneed as a wide receiver? Mm, no. <laughs> because Willie Sneed was like the number two receiver in 2019 when Lamar Jackson won MVP, and that didn't stop him from having that great of a season. I don't. Care yeah, but they stop the him in the playoffs. <laughs> I, okay, but they won 14 games, and I think right now my focus is on those 17 regular season games. And part of the reason why I lean the Bengals missing the playoffs entirely is because I am really high on the Ravens entering the season. I think all those guys coming back from injury is going to be play a huge role because what this team did last year was kind of incredible. They started eight and three, and I know that they had a lot of wins, like against the Lions, needing an they NFL have, record field goal. The Colts a big they, comeback. They, they yeah, could, there were a lot. They of could have won more games if it weren't for some of those two point conversions at the end of the. Well, games. yeah, they could have lost a Pittsburgh. lot of games early, and they could have won more games later. Yeah, and the, like that one against the Steelers, they they missed a two point conversion against the Browns. I think even against the Packers, they yeah, had Packers. It. Yeah, it's yeah. So they definitely had some um, opportunities down the stretch where they lost all those games. They're all super close. Really just the, the two Bengals blowouts were the, the big ones that um, really stood out for them last year. But I, I do think the Ravens are going to be much better. You mentioned Lamar Jackson in the contract year. I know he wasn't that great last year, but he feels like the kind of guy who is, is going to step up big time and really put on a show this year. I think that uh, having health like better health uh, in both the running back room and on the offensive line would lead to the Ravens being one of the best offenses in the league again. And I think their defense also having better health, getting back Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters to a really loaded secondary that also added Kyle Hamilton as like the third safety in that room. I think their defense is going to be much better. And yeah, I mean, I had entering the season, you know, we'll see how things play out. It's possible that injuries derail them again. It's possible that Lamar Jackson's performance last season wasn't necessarily an outlier and more what we're going to expect from him. But I do think the Ravens are going to be really good again this year. And I, I think that talent wise, they're going to be the best team in this division. Um, I know the Bengals are still going to be good. I but I think that the Ravens are a more complete football team, and uh, they're a team that I believe in just a little bit more. So definitely yeah, on, I, I on definitely, uh, different pages there. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, both me and BMAC, we definitely like Cincinnati more. But I'm pretty sure they have a in the middle when it comes tough to- schedule like this year. I think they start out um, with a pretty easy schedule. But I know the Patriots home opener um, is against the Ravens, yeah. so the Patriots will be three. all like extra amped up, I guess, for that game if that <laughs> even happens. But yeah. the Ravens, well, one one benefit to them falling off like they did is they play a fourth place schedule, and I think that could be a huge difference uh, compared to some of the other teams in their division. Um, the AFC That's North in point. general, so they play the NFC South and the AFC East, two divisions that I think. Yeah, they have some top-heavy teams in Buffalo. Yeah, they have the Bucks and, and the Bills, but then after that, it's a, after that, it's kind really, of a drop yeah, it depends off. how you feel about the depends teams, how you like feel the about Patriots, the Saints Dolphins, and Dolphins. Saints, and, yeah, uh-huh. so um, I think that yeah, the the big difference to me would be a team like the Bengals has to play the Chiefs, the Ravens play the Broncos, which you know that I guess that's not really uh, a big fourth place benefit given that Russell Wilson is is uh, their quarterback now, but um, I do think that. 
the the Ravens do have a little bit of an edge there, I guess, getting to play a team like the Giants instead of having to play the the Cowboys like the Bengals do. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that this division could be very exciting, and a lot of it comes down to what we see from the other two teams of this division. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, after 18 seasons with Ben Rossberger as a starting quarterback, are now moving on with. Mitch Trubisky, the expected week one starter, drafted Kenny Pickett. Uh, there's certainly a belief that he'll end up taking over sometime soon. And the Cleveland Browns went out and made a huge move in the offseason, trading for Deshaun Watson, signing him to a contract extension. But he has suspended the first 11 games, and Jacoby Brissett is expected to be the starter in the interim. Both of these teams last year flirted with playoff contention. Uh, Steelers ended up making it. Both made it in 2020. And both believe that they can be contenders again, but quarterback position could end up playing a big role in that. Outside of the quarterback position, though, which team is in better position to contend this year, the Browns or the Steelers? So, yeah, it looks like both both teams are in sort of dicey quarterback situations, and I don't particularly like either team this year but between the two look I so Jacoby Brissett I do like as a backup quarterback you can certainly do worse at the backup quarterback position but he is 14 and 23 uh record wise as as a starting quarterback in the league and then the Browns they have a good running game with Chubb and Kareem Hunt but wide receiver wise after Amari Cooper it gets really bad if if he were to miss any time and then I think the Browns have a better O-line. No, they definitely have a better O-line than the Steelers. <laughs> There's no questioning that. There's no yeah. question. The Steelers have one of the worst O-lines in the league. But even though I think the Browns have a good O-line, they didn't perform to expectations last year. I thought they were going to be one of the elite O-lines in the league, and they were kind of average or maybe even below average. I don't I don't think they were particularly very good last year. And so that's a little bit of a concern. And then another thing is with Cleveland, I think the even though Deshaun Watson is – it's he's suspended for 11 games but I, I so he'll be away from the team for a while but I just think that situation is just gonna be a distraction all year which sounds kind of silly but the 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 moment Jacoby Brissett struggles they're gonna be talks about oh what are they should they put in Kellen Mond or Joshua Dobbs or should they put in should they get go get Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever like it's just gonna be a distraction uh for them all year I think and then and then when Watson comes back it'll, it'll be It'll be a bit even bigger distraction just the fact that he's on an NFL team and playing and with all the money he's getting with everything he's being accused of and likely committed and so it's just a dark cloud uh, over Cleveland right now with that whole situation and then when it comes to Pittsburgh yeah I'm not I'm obviously not the biggest Trubisky guy but you know I, I think there's some upside to his game and you know, another thing about Pittsburgh is that I I can't stand that they made the playoffs last year. I I hate that that team made it into the postseason. But you know what? They did make it, and they made it with a washed up Ben Roethlisberger. And I think people are overrating the quarterback change because like, oh man, they're losing Ben Roethlisberger, a future Hall of Famer, and now they got to put in Mitch Trubisky, who has been a bust, or Kenny Pickett, who's a rookie. But honestly, I I'd rather have. If it's between a 40-year-old completely washed-up Ben Roethlisberger or Mitch Trubisky in the prime of his career, uh, sitting out a season as a as a backup quarterback and gaining more knowledge, 
uh, in the Bills' offense, and or or Kenny Pickett, who is a good quarterback at Pittsburgh, the University of Pittsburgh. I would rather have one of those two guys over Ben. And the fact that they made the playoffs with an aging Ben Roethlisberger, now, I'm not going to pick Pittsburgh to make the playoffs, but I think you can make a case. Uh, and I also think that Pittsburgh, even though they have definitely have the worst O-line, I think they have more depth at the wide receiver position with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and George Pickens. I don't think I none of them are elite, but I think they're all good to even really good receivers. And then Najee Harris had a good rookie season. And so I like the weapons around the whoever it is, Trubisky or Pickett in that offense than Cleveland, uh, especially since Cleveland after Mari, it's it's really bad with Peoples-Jones and David Bell. I, I don't like the receiver group at all after Amari. And so if it's between the two, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but yeah, I think I would lean Pittsburgh uh, between the two. I, I don't know. I kind of think the Browns are a better roster, though, overall. I mean, the Steelers are absolutely terrible. Sorry, Corey. Uh, I think he only <laughs> asked this question so that way we can compare them to the Browns and not trash on them completely to the rest of the <laughs> to the rest of the league. But um, no, I, I don't really think that either of them are going to be very good. Eleven games no. is a lot of time to miss, but at least Brissett has uh, relevant experience. He started for the Colts when Andrew Luck suddenly retired, but uh, Mitch Trubisky is I don't know. I don't really think he's much of an upgrade over Brissett. Um, Maybe it helps that there's Kenny Pickett as well. Yeah. In case of Trubisky still. Sucks. So I'm thinking of it more in a sense like if Brissett can somehow survive to week 12, like where the Browns are. Do they have a bye week week 12 or? Yeah, their bye week is week nine. The Browns. Okay, it's so, earlier. So he season. only misses. He misses week 12. He comes back week 13. Right. So yeah. if they can somehow survive those games, going like. I don't know, six and five, five and six. That's very, that's a lot to ask from Jacoby Brissett. But if they could do that, I think they have a decent chance of getting into the playoffs, like sneaking in. I don't think it will happen, but I think they have more of a chance of sneaking in if they could survive those uh, 11 games with Brissett and then getting Deshaun Watson back than the Steelers would just playing between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. What, what I should have clarified is that 11 games is a lot. It is a lot. It's just, if, it, if, it, if it were six games, I probably would have sided with Cleveland. If, if it were a full season, um, well, if, if they had Deshaun Watson for the entire season, then I would consider the Browns arguably a wild card team. But it's just like 11 games. Yeah, just, the season that, very well that's just could so be much. over I, by the time he's even back. Like, they might just say, uh, screw it. Like, you know what I mean? When he comes yeah. back and they're already out of the contention. But. I don't think the Steelers so stri- have straight- any shot at all, and I know asking going like five and six or even six and five is like a tall ask for Brissett, especially with zero receivers. But maybe they can just hand the ball off the whole game to uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and hope for the best. Maybe their defense, but they are the Cleveland Browns, and they're just the Browns are going to Brown. So. I I might be blinded by homerism, but I don't understand. <laughs> like I don't understand why there is a ton of uh, P 
people being down on the Steelers. You brought up the whole transition from Big Ben to Mitch Trubisky. Now, one thing that Big Ben did was he stepped up in the fourth quarter and led a ton of comebacks. So he won nine games last year, and he had seven comeback victories. And I don't know that I trust Mitch Trubisky to do that or rookie Kenny Pickett. So that is like one thing that I think you can say is still an advantage in the other direction at quarterback. But when I look at the these two rosters, just focusing on the defense. So the Steelers' run defense was terrible last year. I'm not going to hide around that. But they still led the league in sacks for like the sixth straight season. They had def- the defensive play of the year in TJ Watt. They have another all-pro defensive lineman in Cam Hayward. They have an awesome safety in Mika Fitzpatrick, who, depending on who you ask, he's either one of like the, the best in the league or he's not top 10. I personally think he is a very, very high up there safety who uh, is able to make a lot of splash plays. And he's been a huge difference maker for the Steelers defense the past few seasons. And the Browns have Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. But I think after that, you start to see a drop off and you kind of start to see one on the Steelers end when you look at those three. But I really like the addition of Miles Jack as a linebacker. And I think he's going to help shore up that run defense and defensive line play did not have fun to at all last year. He retired. So they went out and signed Larry Ogunjobi, who had a really big contract offer from the Bears. Didn't end up going through because he failed a physical. So there is some injury concern there, but he's someone who's a really talented player and he has experience in the AFC North with both the Browns and the Bengals. And Tyson Alulu, I think he suffered a foot injury in week two last year, missed the rest of the season. He's coming back. They drafted DeMarvin Leal in the third round. So I think the Steelers defense is still going to be way up there. And there's a chance that they could be the best in the league. I'm going to hold out a little bit. Devin Bush is still a huge liability. The secondary, I don't know if concern is the right term, but there's some question marks there when like Akella Witherspoon and Levi Wallace and Cam Sutton are your top three guys. You don't have like a legit shutdown number one corner per se, but I still think the defense is going to be really good. And the Browns defense is fine. I think it can be. Yes, I definitely think it can be the best in the league. I think they have a really good D-line. I, I like their mm-hmm. defensive line a lot. Obviously, T.J. Watt is yeah, I mean, there's a defensive player of the uh, year, and then Cameron Hayward's good, and yeah, Larry Ogunjobi. Like, yeah, they got some studs on their defensive line. So I like their defensive line a lot, but like their the entirety of their defense, yeah, I don't. I, no, there's yeah, some I, questions I, with a second. Yeah, I think there's question marks in other parts of their defense. Yes, and I I do agree with that. I'm not like fully committed. Oh, they're going to be the number one defense in the league. I just think that they have enough talent and enough playmakers that it's possible that they can be in that conversation again like they have been in recent years. Offensively, I'm not going to beat around the bush. The Steelers' offensive line is a huge concern. And I yeah, think you could say, like, if you want to compare <laughs> these two teams, like, the difference between the Browns' offensive line and the Steelers' offensive line is substantial enough that you can say the Browns are in better position just because of that. And I really liked some of the free agent signings that the Steelers made, James Daniels, Mason Cole, bringing back Chuck Sikora for, but the preseason was, was really scary for that offensive line. That being said... You know, the offensive line was terrible last year, and the offense certainly had its problems, but Najee Harris still racked up 1,200 yards on the ground. He still had, I think, 47 catches for 473 yards. Uh, I think he's going to be even better in year two, and I think that plugging in either Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett gives this offense a lot more versatility than they had with Ben Rossberger, who had no mobility, basically just had to get the ball out, after just a couple seconds because he couldn't handle a pass rush and be able to survive it like he used to in his youth. And you already brought it up with the wide receiver room. I mean, those top three guys, 
have a ton of potential. We'll see what Claypool does after a great rookie year and a terrible second season. Deontay Johnson signed him to an extension, which I really like that move, keeping him around. And George Pickens has been like a, a preseason uh, superstar. Everyone's loving him. And after that, I, I do like a lot of the depth. Miles Boykin, Steven Sims, Gunnar Olszewski all had really solid training camps in preseason. So I think that also is a huge thing where Browns is Amari Cooper, who's coming off his worst season since being traded to the Cowboys, and then an even bigger drop-off after that. So uh, when I look at the roster, I do think the Steelers have a better roster than the Browns. And I, I, I think that there's probably a little bit of me looking at it as a Steelers fan who hates the Browns. I totally admit that. But I do believe that the Steelers are in a better position to contend. And ultimately, you kind of talked about it with the Deshaun Watson stuff. It's going to be a distraction. I don't think that they're going to be able to tread water without him for a variety of reasons. I don't think he's going to come in and just all of a sudden turn this team around. I think there's going to be a lot of problems there. And the fact that it's the Cleveland Browns just makes it even more likely that something is going to hold them back and they're going to deal with problems because we've seen plenty of times in the past few years, everyone buys into them in the offseason, they make a ton of great moves, and then they come out and fall flat on their faces and miss the playoffs entirely. So um, I do believe the Steelers are better contend, but like I said, I, I definitely have some homerism on that one. And I like that the two of you kind of disagree on it. Um, because well, it's I, just I think that, that if if Watson were there, if, if he weren't suspended as long as he was, like I probably mm. would lean with Cleveland. But yeah, no, and I, I, agree. I, I can't, I, probably I, can't would too. I can't ignore how long he's going to be out and how big of a distraction it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I, I will. I don't like either team this year, but if, if forced to pick, I will side with Pittsburgh slightly, even though there are big deficiencies on their team especially the, their o-line their o-line their terrible. o-line is the biggest like that it is it is really bad and i yeah. i am a much more nervous about it than i thought i would be and my hope is that they can kind of figure it out as the season goes along but that was what i thought last year and it just didn't really happen so uh that that's certainly a big concern but i just think the Steelers are a lot better than they were last year just in terms of what they've added and what they've done and the changes they made and last year's team made the playoffs so I don't know. Just I guess you can make a case about the Browns, but Deshaun Watson was the big addition there, and he's not going to be available until December. So uh, anyway, I guess let's uh, you know we can talk about some other new additions to the division that we believe could have the biggest impact. So I'm going to go with not one, not two, but three guys because they all are on the same team and they all have the same task which is protecting the quarterback and I mentioned them already with Ted Karras, Alex Kappa and Lael Collins. I just think that the Bengals if they're if they are this legit and then they can contend again for a Super Bowl, I think upgrading their offensive line is just going to make their offense that much better. The fact that they were as good of an offense last year with as bad of an O-line as they had last year, I think that it, it can make all the difference in the world if the Bengals are this this good. I don't think they're going to... We've talked about it already, uh, earlier that I don't think that they're going to get back to the Super Bowl this year, but it, if if they are going to contend again, having those three guys in their offensive line is going to really help their offense uh, even better, yeah, even more. Uh, if you had to pick one of them, who would you go with? Because I specifically wrote one of them down. I know. Oh. Um, <laughs> I guess... I, I think guess it's kind Lyle of an Collins. Easy answer. Yes, Lyle it's Collins. Yeah, just because he's had the most success uh, throughout his career compared to the other two guys. So I'll but he's also that. dealt with the most injuries 
I mean, he missed all of 2020 and then right. missed five games early in 2021 with suspension. And he hasn't played a full season since, I think, 2018. So, mm-hmm. And he's also the left tackle. He's the one being charged with protecting Burroughs' blind side. He, right. unlike the other two, is released by his team, which I know, you know, salary cap, contract thing played a role in that. But I think that he's the biggest one where he yeah. has the most potential to be the biggest swing there. So, yeah. So like, if I had to pick, between the, if with, I had to pick yeah. between the three, like, yeah, he would be the, the one that makes the uh, biggest. So I'll go with Lil Collins then. Yeah. Okay. That's also what I was thinking. I wrote down the entire Bengals <laughs> offensive line. as <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I oh, guess... Wow. Uh, I guess to change that one up, we could go with Mitch Trubisky slash Kenny Pickett. Um, Because if the Steelers are going to be good, like Corey hopes and says, it has to come from them. um, Because if they do not play well, if they play like they're Mitch Trubisky, then they're not going to win a lot of games. So maybe he'll be a new and improved uh, post-Bills career Mitch Trubisky that we've never seen. no, but, I like that answer because yeah, you could have a big mention that it could be positive or negative, and so mm-hmm. oh yeah, <laughs> that certainly can go one uh, way I or the mean, other that, with those guys. That's how I've always looked at it: is like someone who comes in, they play like they should, um, they could have a positive impact, or if they don't live up to what they need to, it could be bad. And uh, yeah, I think that the quarterback play certainly fits the billing. I don't think Mitch Trubisky has to light it up. The Bears went twelve and four in twenty eighteen with him, but. They had uh, yeah, a I mean, crazy he's, defense, though. They did. I know. So it really comes down to the rest of the roster and the, the Steelers' defense being just as good. But that's another reason why I think the Steelers can be with Trubisky, you know, just given that Trubisky's made the playoffs with really, really good defensive play, um, which, you know, Miles Jack, to me, would be a guy that could fit that billing. But I don't want to go with uh, another Steeler, given that Brian just threw out two. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton, safety for the Ravens. I think he's someone who can make a huge impact if he is as good as a lot of the draft scouts thought he was. I mean, he was someone who some people were mocking him as high as number two overall at one point, and the Ravens got him with the 14th overall pick. He's someone who comes in, doesn't have the biggest pressure, given that they added Marcus Williams. They still have Chuck Clark. They have two really good safeties, but he's someone who could kind of be a dynamic weapon, linebacker, safety, come out on those extra you know, nickel and dime packages. And I think that um, he's someone who can make a huge difference there. You probably could argue Williams in the spot as well, but I'm, I'm really excited to see what Hamilton does, just given all the hype around him in college. The fact that he's a safety who is projected to be a top 10 pick is kind of crazy when we often don't even see a safety go in the first round i have no idea who that is we're big draft guys over here <laughs> i don't know anything about college football but oh yeah, he, be- went, he went to notre dame I, I, i'm not i'm not the biggest college football guy either but like i get into the draft though yeah because <laughs> mm. i can't help i'm wearing it. a k-state shirt though <laughs> you are i was expecting a Packers jersey that's uh-huh. why I wore this Patriots shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I got my Even though we're not going to talk about them at all, it's just like, all right, uh, like I know I figured you guys are going to wear a Steelers and Packers jersey, so I'm like, all right, might as well just throw on something Patriots related. <laughs> yeah. So I guess before we get into the Packers and the NFC North, let's wrap up the AFC North with a bold prediction. This would have been bold a month ago, okay. and it's not bold at all really now, but I was going to say George Pickens, rookie offensive rookie of the year. Which is that not be, that I mean, now. I still think it's bold to predict anyone st- to win an award. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. George Pickens, uh, offensive rookie of the year, and then when it does happen, I will bitch again uh, with the Patriots picking a receiver <laughs> that wasn't as good as the next few guys again, <laughs> like with Nikhil Harry missing 
drafting him and missing out on Debo, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, it'll be another situation where I complain about Tyquan Thornton and missing out on George Pickens, Sky Moore, Alec Pierce, but George Pickens uh, being the big one coming right after being a superstar in the preseason already. And I think he'll win. That's a pick to win offense over the key here. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean, bold. You, right you think that's still it. bold? I think it's still bold. He's somebody, he could be the Steelers third wide receiver at this point in time, you know? Yeah, like, true. So I, I think it's just it's, that he's killing it right now. I think now. it's, he has been, and I think it's kind of crazy how much he's, he's risen, but I'm, I'm definitely high on him. I was like, just going to, I was going to pick him just, uh, you just know how it goes with the Patriots and Steelers when it comes to the wide receiver position. And just the fact that I remember during the draft, I was mad that they didn't, Patriots didn't get Mechie. And mm-hmm. then you told me like, oh, well, they can get George Pickens, Alec Pierce, or Sky Moore. <laughs> Patriots took a receiver that wasn't one of those three. And then literally those are the next three names after. And I'm just uh, like, all right, well, I know how this is going to go, <laughs> especially since the Patriots can't draft receivers for their lives. Yeah. <laughs> and the Steelers have a lot of success with it. So Yeah. So I, I'm going to have a bold prediction that the Steelers are going to go exactly 7-10, and 10, not a game more or less, 7-10. and 10. No ties? <laughs> they always have a tie. They, yeah, do yeah, that. A lot that'll of that'll make it really bold. 7-10-1. 7-9-1, seven, 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 nine, nine yeah. I mean. <laughs> so first losing season under Mike Tomlin. I mean, it's probably the likeliest it's been in a long time, uh, especially just given how strong the conference is. I think, like I said, on paper, I think the Steelers are better, but I've also been saying that I think the AFC as a whole is better, and the Steelers definitely snuck into the playoffs because of the incompetence of teams by like the you know the Ravens, the Chargers, the Colts. They yeah. they did everything they could to make sure that uh, Big Ben got to play one more playoff game before retiring. Yep, the Raiders um, and the Steelers had a deal to kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Chargers to let them just pick up a first down instead of <laughs> forcing a 57-yard or whatever. Um, so my, I have a, a couple of bold predictions. I really want to say Najee Harris, Offensive Player of the Year, but I don't want to put too much uh, pressure on my myself and my team. So I'm going to focus instead on the uh, team that we were debating against the Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to predict this to be a season from hell for the Cleveland Browns and that Jacoby Brissett will not be great enough for them to tread water and that things won't get much better when Deshaun Watson comes back. And they would have a top 10 pick in the draft, but instead it's going to be going to the Houston Texans. And I don't want to go as bold to say top five, but I really hope it happens uh, that this just <laughs> goes like really horribly for them. But I think ultimately the Browns are going to be a team that seven and 10 might even be too many wins for them if uh, all goes well, according to my hopes and probably an even bolder prediction is that this season I'm going to root for Bill Belichick and the Patriots in week six and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in week 12 when they make trips to Cleveland. I think that that's how much I'm going to, to hate the Browns this season, even without Deshaun Watson playing. I think that they've just gone a total 180 from this like lovable loser franchise that everyone wants to be a fan of to them just being a horrible organization the way that they've handled things uh pr wise and i think it's going to be easier for me to root against them and root for their downfall regardless of who they're playing didn't they just pick up the bulls punter who like was a no no what (laughs) you probably saw that that as like a that was just a meme Yeah. yeah 
Yeah, they, they, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past wild. them. <laughs> oh, that would be just, insane. Just go all that. in on it. Say, yeah, yeah it might as well. We already point. have 24 other accusations against us. Yeah. Why not make it another one? Uh, uh, now there's a bold prediction. <laughs> yeah, Matt, I'm gonna pick up Matt Ray Rice. going to the going to the Browns. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, I'll say the Bills did kind of get lucky that so many teams decided to get rid of punters anyway. So they're still probably gonna have a good one for the, you know. Oh, he could have been a secret weapon for that team. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the the one time they go they would have had. Out. Yeah, they're like I mentioned when we talked about the East. Like they're one of the they're one of the few teams in the league that has an elite offense and an elite defense, and they could have had elite, had elite special, special teams, teams with uh, I know. with that freaking punt god as uh, the as their punter. It would have been unstoppable. But yeah. Like, that's a really unfortunate situation. Yeah, it's uh not a good thing. I have uh no. you know no no sympathy there. Um, but I guess with that, let's move on to the NFC North yeah. and let's talk about B Max team, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is coming back, signed a lucrative extension, ending uh, a lot of rumors and speculations over the past couple of years of where he could end up. And despite him being back. Devontae Adams is gone, his number one go-to receiver for the past several seasons. So Aaron Rodgers comes in having won back-to-back MVPs, but he'll be without Devontae Adams. He'll be out Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Instead, he will be relying on Alan Lazard to take over his wide receiver one, Sammy Watkins, and then a couple other rookie receivers. So given all the shakeups in the Packers wide receiver room, can we still expect Aaron Rodgers to continue his MVP performance of the past two years? I wouldn't say that he's going to continue MVP level, but I still think he's going to be very good. Even has a chance to get MVP. I highly doubt it, though, with guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, even Tom Brady. Um, but, like, I don't think losing... Um, what's his name? Devonte Adams is as big of a deal as people are saying. Yes. He's probably the best wide receiver in football and that's going to make a big impact. But a lot of the times Rogers was forcing the ball to him specifically, and you haven't really seen him spread the ball around like he will have to this year, especially considering he's got options like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to bail him out as well when just running the ball. Cause Aaron Rodgers, his biggest thing as a quarterback is he doesn't really make a lot of mistakes sometimes that's a fault um, of his he just throws the ball away when sometimes he should probably take a chance but uh, him spreading the ball around I don't think is necessarily a bad thing it might actually help them in some weird ways Um, because he he won't be just forcing it to one guy when it's just not there all the time I mean Alan Lazard's a big target Uh, he showed like he could be pretty average to maybe even slightly above average Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson are both big targets. Uh, I never thought Valdez Scantling was really a good player. He was good for one seventy-five yard touchdown, like once every three games. He's good deep threat. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. He was a straight line guy, so maybe Watson Dubs could uh, take in some of that role. And then I don't know what to think about Watkins. I was never high on him throughout his entire career, and now that he's old and still Sammy Watkins, I have no reason to be high on him now. And Randall Cobb is going to be there as in the slot, um, maybe some for some third downs. But spreading the ball around, I think, will be good for him. Uh, I don't really think that it's going to be too much different. I think you're going to see the same Aaron Rodgers now saying back to back to back MVPs 
that's a lot to ask from somebody, but I wouldn't say it's going to be a huge regression this season for him or the Packers in general. Yeah, so I think the Packers are still a playoff team, but I do expect regression from Aaron Rodgers. And I do think I do think uh, BMAC makes a great point, though, that now that Adams is gone, Rodgers will be forced to spread the ball around, which actually could benefit Rodgers rather than just forcing it to one guy. But I am I am concerned about their wide receiver group. Uh, it's not the worst in the league. There is another team in this division that is certainly much worse at the wide receiver position. But I don't I, I don't have a lot of confidence in their wide receiver room. I like Alan Lazard, but I don't know if I would want to trust him as the number one guy in the offense. And then I don't really know expect what I'm going to expect from we're going to expect from Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs. Uh, Rogers has talked up Romeo Dubs, but I don't know if talking up a sixth round rookie he was drafted in the sixth round right I don't know fourth but round fourth round fourth round okay whatever he was drafted later than Christian Watson he's talking up him and well, Christian Watson's Watson been out all the uh yeah Watson's been out train cam and so I don't I don't love their wide receiver group uh and then yeah Sammy Watkins I don't know what expected from him he's old and he hasn't been the wide receiver that he was expected to be being drafted fourth overall from Clemson and and then I don't think you're gonna get, we're gonna get much from uh, we're gonna see much from Randall Cobb either. <laughs> He's pretty much at the nearly the end of his career now, and so yeah, I really don't like their wide receiver group. And you can honestly say their best receiver is Aaron Jones because <laughs> yeah, I think the I think their I think their offense is gonna run through him uh, most the most out of out of anybody in this offense. And then you could say AJ Dillon might be the second uh, guy in their offense because. Obviously, he's a great goal line threat, but I didn't expect him to be as good of a receiver as he showed last year. So there could be times where both those guys are on the field. And so so I expect the offense to run through those guys. And then don't forget about Bob Tanyan. And as Mercedes well. he, Lewis. He his, yeah, he <laughs> tore his ACL last year, and he was good in 2020. So that'll definitely be a, a boost to their offense. So uh, I think they're a playoff team. And I think they'll still be fine, but I I do I am I am a little concerned about uh, what they have offensively now that especially that they don't have Defonte Adams now. I think their defense will be good though, with, especially getting Jair Alexander back from injury. They didn't have him last year, and they were still a one seed. And so and then they also drafted a couple guys in the first round, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. And so I think they could win more games defensively and control the clock on offense more. And, and but. In terms of a Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl chances, I'll admit I'm not as high on Green Bay as past years. They also had Jaron Reed, who I don't know too much about him, but apparently he's pretty good. Um, they ha- still have Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, and Dean Lowry. Their defense is solid from top to bottom. Um, so I think their defense has a decent chance to carry them. But uh, they also get David Bakhtiari back. Hopefully, he's still right. uh, been injured all all off season. But yeah, if he comes back and they got Elton Jenkins back, like they could be solid. And like I said, Aaron Rodgers, he's got enough experience to share the ball around. Um, maybe just a lot of screen passes all day. So. I think that there's going to be a bit of a drop off without Devonte Adams. I think you know he is a huge weapon. He's been one of, if not the best wide receivers in the league the past few seasons. And while I do agree with the whole idea that Rodgers can spread out the ball a little more, he doesn't have a receiver that 
compares at all to Adams. But I'm not overly concerned about Aaron Rodgers this year. I think that he's going to continue to be a great quarterback. In spite of all the wide receiver drop-off, I think that's still possible that this team can win 13 games, and I think it's still possible that he can put up uh, MVP-type numbers. And if he does that, I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow wins a third-straight MVP, depending on what happens with other quarterbacks and players around the league. But I don't know if I'm going to be reading too much into this, but I, I am a little nervous about some of the... I guess intangible stuff is how you can describe it. The fact that Aaron Rodgers, you know, ended this speculation with this huge contract the past couple of years. I think he'd been playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder after the Jordan Love pick. Now it is not as much of a concern about that. So part of me wonders, is that going to be a thing? Is that going to play a role? Because he definitely was looking like he was regressing a little before that, before this, uh, you know, rejuvenation in the past two seasons and then I also look at some of the off the field stuff this off season with him just going around everybody's podcast talking about using drugs and games and all this stuff and I, I just I don't know maybe you could say the same thing was happening last year when he was going on his uh nature adventures with Shailene Woody and um Miles Teller but I think I'm more concerned about Aaron Rodgers just kind of losing his love for football and his uh interest in the game than I am the wide receiver room and I don't know that I would really go that far but I think that to me uh maybe even coupling the two of them together like maybe if the wide receivers like are really not living up to his standards he already called him out in the preseason and you know some of the drops that they had in practices I think that you know it's a thing to really watch I mean he just had his Joe Rogan experience moment where he's attacking the NFL and their COVID policies and talking about doing Percocets in a game you know basically he got injured and they sent him back out there high as a kite and I don't know. I think that I'm more concerned about that. I think that if he if he's still in it, he's still going to be a great player. The Packers are still going to be a great team. He talked about their defense and how how many really great pieces they have on there, especially looking around the rest of this division. I'm, none of these teams really scare me if the Packers don't have a significant drop-off without Adams, but I don't know. I mean, I guess, Brian, as, as a fan of the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, are you, what are your thoughts on this whole media circus he's been going on? Well, I will throw in the statement all Packers fans like to say is that with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers together, they're 7-0 and without Devontae Adams. So in the same system, using other crappy receivers. Granted, they might not have all been against the best teams, but they beat the 8-0 and Cardinals last year without Devontae Adams on the road. Uh, and they also beat the Saints when Drew Brees was still the quarterback uh, two years ago without Devontae Adams. So hasn't slowed him down yet. Granted, those are all like single games. They were able to game plan that one time. And also like they've never really defenses have never been able to game plan for uh, the Packers without Devontae Adams. Like, cause it's just been one game miss. It's never been like a long stretch, but he's been able to prove that he's been able to um, spread the ball around. And Alan Lazard has been able to step up in all of those games. So if he stays healthy, you know, you don't really know how good he was because Devontae Adams was getting so many of those targets. The the Cardinals one was definitely the most impressive. Not that I liked the Cardinals that much, but they were undefeated at the time. And it was Thursday night. And they didn't have not only Devontae, but they didn't have Lazard or MVS in that game. It was really just... 
straight Randall up Cobb. Aaron Jones and AJ, AJ, yeah, AJ Dillon, yeah, and Randall Cobb with two touchdowns, and then and that was also the game where Tanya tore his ACL, I'm pretty sure, and so they're missing their starting three wide receivers and lost their starting tight end in that game, and it was also Thursday night facing an undefeated team on the road, and so yeah, so I. I I like the Packers' chances still of being a playoff team, but and I'm just that wide receiver group I don't think is good enough to make a huge run. But Rodgers, but alone, even if the wide receiver group is not great, Rodgers alone uh, should still make the Packers a playoff team. Are either of you buying into the off the field stuff with Rodgers being a concern or am I the only one who thinks that? No, I, that, ma- no that makes sense. Play. I don't know. Uh, he, he says he feels better than ever. Let him get high. He does say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Corey, that I, I've definitely have been kind of sour on Rodgers the past couple of seasons, especially this last season. I know he was great. I know he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but I, yeah, I just can't help but, uh, look back on how last year went not not on the field but just the whole covid thing and 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 then losing again in the playoffs it just it's like i'm, I'm kind of sick of waiting for like the the breakout for the packers like they always come up short every time they make the playoffs they always choke and so i don't i don't know i don't know how losing Devonte adams and not really upgrading the wide receiver room that much helps their chances like yes, they have good a couple good couple young pieces now with Watson and Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, but like I don't know like how that helps them be a title contender. Yeah, we'll see. I think there's gonna be a lot of pressure on those guys. So um, really, it's about are they ready to handle it? You know, especially some of those young ones. So um, I guess let's talk about some of the other teams in this division, though, and let's start with the Minnesota Vikings. So. The past couple seasons, the Vikings have finished below 500, 7 and 9, 8 and 9. They entered the seasons with reasonable expectations after being a solid playoff contender the previous few years, but things didn't go according to plan. And they ended up cleaning house, firing GM Rick Spielman and head coach Mike Zimmer. And they brought in Kevin O'Connell as the new head coach, the offensive coordinator for the Super Bowl winning Rams, with the hope that. He can turn around basically the same offense last year. Still have Kirk Cousins, still have Dalvin Cook, still have Justin Jefferson. Uh, So I guess given the new regime and what we've seen of the Vikings the past two seasons, can we expect them to get back into playoff contender status? Or are we thinking more of the same with them being just not good enough? No, I I like the Vikings a lot this year. I don't think they're going to make a Super Bowl run by any means, but I think offensively they're going to be one of the best offenses in the league, led by Justin Jefferson, who has a legitimate shot to win Offensive Player of the Year. And uh, having Dalvin Cook, if he's healthy, that makes for a great wide running back, wide receiver duo, probably arguably the best one in the league. And then Adam Thielen, even though he's getting up there, is still a good option uh, after Jefferson. And then K.J. Osborne was, was good last year as their third wide receiver. So I, I like a lot of the pieces they have offensively, and they missed Irv Smith all of last season. He didn't even play a game, and they get at him at the tight end position. And so offensively, I think they're going to be great. And then, and then, yeah, like you said, adding Kevin O'Connell, who was the OC for the LA Rams, Super Bowl champion, LA Rams. I think that's going to really him 
adding him as their head coach is going to really help their offense, especially just given how pass-heavy of an approach that he has. Uh, and I think that really helps the Vikings for sure. And then defensively, they're not – again, this is another team that's not the, the greatest defensive team by any means, but they do have – they do have some playmakers on their team, like Harrison Smith, that's safety. And then Daniel Hunter, he's missed a lot of time the past couple of seasons. He's missed 26 games over the past couple of seasons. But when he is healthy, he is an elite pass rusher. They also added Zadarius Smith, who is no longer on Green Bay, is now in Minnesota, who has been a multiple-time Pro Bowl player. And and when he's out there, he's he's great as well. And so I think... I think Minnesota, I think they're in for a good season. Yeah, I agree. I think they have a good chance of making the playoffs. Um, I really hope that they do not win the division. Um, and I still think that the Packers should win and will win. But um, I do think that the Vikings have a decent chance at not only making the playoffs as a wild card team, but actually pushing for first place in the NFC North. I think they, like you said, the offensive pieces are there. Just for some reason they haven't been able to put it together and with the new coaching, maybe they will be able to put it together this year. Um, they just have so much talent on that offense um, that it's hard to, it's hard to ignore that. Um, and their defense is just not that bad, but just they're a weird team. Cause they just lose. Like it's weird. They literally just lose for no reason. The first half of the season, especially. it's kind of the same sentiment we had last year uh-huh. with the Vikings is that, <laughs> Even though we realize they have the pieces, especially on offense, for whatever reason, they lose these games that they shouldn't be losing. They lost to the Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a single win, and then they lost especially to Detroit. Especially at the start of the season, though. The Vikings just they can't get it together um, at all. But with the new coach, maybe they'll uh, be able to smooth that out a little bit and use those weapons properly not that justin jefferson hasn't been used properly but you know what i mean more uh, used to win games rather than just stats for fantasy putting up stats um, right i could see them i could see them sneaking into the playoffs uh even as like a five seed I, i think they're a pretty good football team they just need to play to their potential if they do that then they're definitely definitely in the playoffs so i think it was pretty clear that Mike Zimmer's time in Minnesota was over and that they needed to move on. Like, you know, he, I don't know if lost the locker room is the right phrase to use there, but there are clearly problems with him and Kirk cousins. And, um, I think that it was time for a leadership change and I don't want to sit here and credit Kevin O'Connell for the Rams success with Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup and them going to the super bowl. Just helps. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that who he had, was a big part of their success last season, and yeah, um, you're not. We're not saying that he was the reason. No, I why think Sean Mc- the Rams were yeah, of course Super Bowl champions. No, just, no, and I I don't think that yeah. anyone should say that. I think Sean McVay was the bigger piece there, but I am curious what kind of effect Kevin O'Connell will have on this team, and I think they have the potential to have a great offense, like you said, with all those weapons you mentioned, and uh, I think they're going to need to have a really good offense if they're going to be a. Uh, serious threat in the NFC this year because I I don't love their defense and I you know they do have some good playmakers on there and you could see last year they had the splash shots 51 sacks were second in the league 16 interceptions tied for 10th yet they were 28th in passing and 26th in rushing defense so something just wasn't there and I think they made a lot more moves defensively signing Harrison Phillips signing Jordan Hicks signing Zadarius Smith 
They brought back Patrick Peterson. They drafted, I think, both Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth are their first two picks. Both of them are rookies. I don't know if either of them are expected to start right away, but they would certainly want to have some kind of impact from those guys on the secondary. And I think Minnesota's defense is going to be a big question mark for them. They used to be a great defense. I mean, they were a big staple of uh, Mike Zimmer having that awesome defense for years. But as the defense started to drop off, the team as a whole started to drop off. Bringing an offensive coach should make the offense live up to their potential. But I do think there are a lot of questions with this defense. I certainly think that playoffs is not a huge ask for this team, especially when you look around the NFC and it being a very top-heavy conference. But I think I'm probably more down on the Vikings than both of you are. Um, you know, just we'll see. I think Kevin O'Connell is going to have a big impact on this team. And, uh, you know, if he's able to be like a clear upgrade and get the most out of Kirk Cousins and the most out of this offense and the Vikings should be a legitimate threat and could potentially um, unseat the Packers for the top of the NFC North. But if we don't see a ton of changes and still have a lot of the same problems on defense, then I think it's going to be another disappointing just below 500, just missed the playoff season for Minnesota. So there are two other teams in the NFC North, and uh, both of them last year finished near the bottom of the league. We talked about the Lions. They didn't win a game until pretty late in the season. They were very competitive, but still 313-1, second-worst record in the league. Chicago Bears in uh, Justin Fields' rookie season went from being a playoff contender for the past few seasons to not being a threat at all. Uh, things were, were clearly bad there. They decided to let go of head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace a year too late, in my opinion. But they're, uh, both these teams enter this season hoping to maybe make some noise and be competitive. But do we believe that either of them can actually do that? When it comes to the Bears, Justin Fields is doomed. <laughs> There's no hope for that team. I don't like... I like Justin Fields. I thought he was pretty good in college and good at Ohio State, almost won a national championship. I guess almost is probably not the right word since they got killed. <laughs> they in that went game, to the national championship game. They went to the national championship, yeah. But after him, I don't like anything about this team. I don't they they have one of the worst O lines in the league, maybe outside of Pittsburgh. And then defensively they signed outside the Bears of Robert best Qu- offensive lineman. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh and then defensively, okay, like outside of yeah, Robert Quinn, I don't, I don't like anything about their defense. And then I mentioned earlier how I didn't care for, I don't care for the Packers wide receiver group, but there is a group, wide receiver group in this division that is much worse. And yeah, the Bears, they arguably have the worst one in the entire league. Uh, with okay, Darnell Mooney, he's pretty good, but as a w- number one wide receiver, like they don't have a choice and. I don't think that's very promising. Cole Komet could have a good year at Titan. I don't know. But after those guys, it's really, really, really bad. With Byron Pringle, Vellis Jones. Uh, how do you pronounce his first name? Equinemius St. Brown. Amon Ra's brother. Yeah. I, I don't I, I don't like that wide receiver group of at all. Of course, Nikhil Harry. Come on. They, you can at least mention his name. Oh, I can't forget <laughs> Nikhil Harry. Yeah, the GOAT of all <laughs> Patriots receivers. Yes, yeah, I'm sure he'll very be much lowercase when we say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that wide receiver group is terrible. And so they have a new coach and new GM, but the Ryan Poles, he hasn't helped Justin Fields whatsoever to improve this roster, and I don't know what to expect from their new coach. Uh, and 
I don't like the Chicago Bears at all. And I think they have a legitimate shot of having the number one pick next year, which will create for a lot of controversy because it's like, well, they have a quarterback. Well, he hasn't performed to the expectations. Well, that's because the roster around, it'll just be a whole back and forth thing of whether they should replace Fields with a, another Ohio State quarterback or not. And it just, I think it's just a t- complete mess in Chicago. And I think they have a legit shot again at having the number one pick. So I have, there's 0.0 hope for the Chicago Bears, in my opinion. Now, when it comes to the Detroit Lions, though, I actually think I think everyone can agree that the Lions will make some noise this year. I think the real question is how much noise, because the Lions, they have they have good pieces offensively. I think DeAndre Swift is going to have a big season. And then Amon Ra, he was one of the best wide receivers in the second half of last year. And then TJ Hawkinson's a good tight end. And picked up DJ DJ Chark and you know Jared Goff he didn't totally suck last year which is probably the nicest thing I've ever said about Jared Goff <laughs> he's actually he was actually okay and and I remember last year Corey we talked about some of the coaching changes that have happened and which do you think is the best and the worst and I remember mentioning I didn't like the Dan Campbell move at all I thought it was I thought it was a joke and I didn't I didn't think it was a good hire. Uh, I think the only thing, good thing about it was that he's the opposite of Matt Patricia. <laughs> that was the one compliment I could make about the hire, but I didn't like it. And if he told me that they would only have their, their first win would be in December, I wouldn't have been shocked by that at all. And but I gotta say, I I I like Dan Campbell a lot, and not just his cool personality, but I think I think he's the the players on that team are really bought in, and they really play for each other, and they're fighting at in all these games that I remember when they started off, Oh, in like five or whatever, I remember thinking like, man, even though they're not winning any of these games, they've been in it till the very end. And even Justin Tucker took a kick, a 66 yard field goal and, and ruined uh, their chance at a first win at their, at that time. And the lines were really fighting in a lot of these games. And uh, I, I think Daniel Campbell has shown that he can coach in this league. And I think the lines are, and going in the right direction, I think there's, I, I think they're heading in the right path. And I'm not saying they're going to become Super Bowl champions uh, this year or next year or whatever, but they're heading in the right direction. But and and they also added uh, Aiden Hutchinson in the draft and defensively, and so he's a he's a guy that'll certainly help their defense. So they added some pieces, and they have talented pieces on offense. So I like the Lions, but I think we do have to pump the brakes a little bit because I think everyone is picking them as a popular sleeper pick for their playoff picture just because they're that popular bad team that everyone wants to pick. But I think I think there's still ways to go for them. But I do think the Lions can win six or seven games this year. And they're definitely getting a Hard Knocks boost as well. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. I, I've been watching Hard Knocks. Uh, I can't help but like them too. So, yeah, I totally get it why they're they're kind of that popular team right now that everyone likes. Uh, especially with Dan Campbell leading their team. So I think they're heading in the right direction, but I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I would agree that they're kind of a middle-of-the-road team. Uh, I definitely don't think that they're going to stink the way they stunk last year. I still don't think they're going to be very good. They could get like uh, around five, six, seven wins, though, somewhere in the middle. A little bit better than the Steelers. I think that's how bad they'll be. You said they'll go seven and nine. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Corey. <laughs> Seven, nine, and one. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, I think that they'll be all right because uh, they, they do have some offensive pieces. They added to the wide receiver room, like you said, and Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift are pretty good running back. I, I like both of them. Uh, 
I could see either of them being starters on a lot of the teams throughout the league. So offense is pretty solid as long as their defense can hold up. They they will win some games, not a ton. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I wouldn't even call them really a sleeper pick for me to make the playoffs, but they'll be right below that. They're not going to be an easy team like they were last year. Like, oh, yes, I'm playing the Lions this week. It's like you still got to show up and beat them, but they're not going to be that bad. Um and as for the Bears, I'm I'm with you 100, percent Brian. Like they are, they're gonna be bad. They are. They're gonna, gonna be, be bad. I mean, I don't know who Justin Fields will throw to. I don't know how he'll throw the ball. Maybe he'll throw to David Montgomery only, get some PPR points there. But like, do do you, do you remember that game where they were facing the Niners and it was fourth down and? Just Justin Fields is back into the pocket, and then he had to avoid a couple sacks, and he's running all over the place, and then all of a sudden he runs in for a yeah. touchdown. That's probably what Justin Fields yeah, is going to have to do. Be like a miracle. Run, he's going to be running for every his life. Single play is going to be a miracle. Like if they get it off, I, I think that team is just terrible. They lost uh, Khalil Mack to the Chargers, so yeah, I really don't know where they're going to be top to bottom. But maybe maybe Nagy was the problem. Maybe maybe he's the only reason they're bad, and. uh Maybe maybe that will be some improvement. Uh, maybe the plays will be a little bit better, but I don't see how you uh, you can't just win off of coaching. I don't even know. I don't even know how they would with that roster. I mean, it's bad. Coaching was definitely a problem in Chicago. <laughs> Let's not sugarcoat that and uh, say like maybe uh, Nagy was not that good uh he was a terrible head coach by the end of it i think that whatever happened in 2018 um him winning coach of the year was just broken by that uh double doink against the eagles and never really turned things around and it just really that whole organization they've been around for a hundred years and they've kind of been a mess for the vast majority of that 99 of them um yeah and I I agree that the Bears, like their roster looks terrible and things look bleak. The one thing I'll say, you know, I know it's just preseason, but in the final preseason game against the Browns, Justin Fields did go 14 to 16, 156 yards, three touchdowns, 9.8 yards per attempt. So not necessarily just uh, dump offs. I, I think he's someone who he's going to have to be great for the Bears to be a respectable team. And I think that when it comes to the quarterbacks of these two teams, I do believe in fields more than Jared Goff. Um, And yeah, Goff was okay last year, but I think he's going to be the biggest thing that holds the Lions back. I do think the Lions roster is talented enough to maybe be a sleeper team. I'm not totally buying into them. I think they're still going to have games where it's, oh, they look like they're going to win and they're going to find some heartbreaking way to lose. I don't think they're totally away from that, uh, but I do think that they're going to be able to make some noise. I think that the Bears have a chance to maybe be kind of frisky. I like their roster a little more than you guys. Offensively, not at all, but I do think defensively, um, I like their secondary, some of the young guys they have there, like Jalen Johnson, Jalen Jones, Jaquan Brisker uh, out of Penn State, someone I was hoping the Steelers would consider if he had fallen to them. But, um, yeah, I mean, when I look at both of these teams, I would say the Lions probably have a better chance of uh, doing something just given their roster. But I think that – Probably? No, not definitely. probably. Well, definitely. But I think in a sense the Bears <laughs> have a higher ceiling if Justin Fields can be the kind of quarterback that a lot of people expect him to be. Because for a while, at least entering that 2020, 2020 college season – 
it was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields one and two, and you know things changed with Justin Fields, but um, you know it's it's an impossible task given his offensive line and wide receivers and really the general roster around him. But at the same time, part of me is like, maybe there's a chance that he does kind of have a year two bump and is a special player and the Bears are slightly better than people think they'll be. Uh, but it, it's a it's a huge ask. And I'm not going to try to say that Justin Fields alone is going to be good enough for the Bears to be um, really anything more than like maybe they can win a few games here and there. So, um, you know, part of me is wondering if uh, B. Wells is going to be really high on the lines and say they could be a playoff team. But it, it sounds like you're you're still keeping your expectations. No, it's just I like the Lions. I think they're I, I think I think they got some good pieces mm-hmm. and definitely think they can be taken more seriously than past years. I just think that people are jumping too much on the Lions bandwagon right now, especially with the hard knocks. Factor. Yeah. I mean, the, and I've been watching hard uh, knocks <laughs> and I think it's been wildly entertaining. And I, I think, uh, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely think Dan Campbell is great. Like not just personality wise, but I think, I think he's, he's gotten the players to really buy in, uh, to, to their system. Yeah. And so, I, I, I think Daniel Campbell is doing a good job. I think he's the right coach for that team to be competitive, come out every week, you know, even when the loss is piling up, still trying hard and still doing what they can to salvage a few victories at the end of the season. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be the head coach when the Lions are good again, uh, you know, like actually playoff contender. We'll see when they get to that point. But I think that they, they still need to figure out their quarterback long term. And I don't believe in Jared Goff. as that. Yeah, guy. Jared Goff is not a long term option, but. He had his moments last year, and so, yeah, there's some things to like about the Lions. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. There's more to like about the Lions than the Bears. I will definitely Oh, that's that's that. a given. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I guess who's a new addition to the division that we think could have the biggest impact on how things play out this year? Yeah, so, yeah, so Corey, you mentioned, and I kind of agree with you, that the Minnesota Vikings defense is not very good. I do think it can be respectable, and I think adding someone like Zadarius Smith it could be huge for them because, like I, like I mentioned earlier, he was a multiple-time Pro Bowler with the Packers, but then last year he, he, he had back surgery, and so he didn't get to play, but uh, apparently in training camp he's looking like his old self, and if that is the case, then that's going to be a big improvement for the Vikings' defense. Their offense will definitely be the, their strength of their team, but I think they can be a respectable defense if guys like him uh, can be, can make plays. So I'm going to go with Zadarius Smith. Uh, I'm going to go with two people, with Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, just because I don't know which one will be better. I think the newest addition, um, they'll have the biggest impact because they're going to be thrown right into a, a playoff contending team and um, have a lot of eyes on them with Aaron Rodgers. And if one of them is able to perform or both of them are able to perform, that will be huge for the Packers, uh, especially chances to make the Super Bowl. Because, like, aside if they had Devontae Adams, we would all probably be saying, "Oh yeah, they're one of the top Super Bowl contenders." So if if those two players can uh, either one of them pan out pretty well, then I'd say that they're going to have the most impact of any new addition in the NFC North. So my number two and three picks were. Dobbs slash Watson and Zadaria Smith. So uh wow. yeah, I mean I, I know it's always gonna happen. I write down guys like they're they're gonna get chosen and Smith uh, in particular, twenty six sacks his first two years in Green Bay, 
dealt with injuries, played, what, one game last year. So if um, he can get back to who he was before that injury, then, yeah, the Vikings defense will be much improved. And they lost a lot of guys uh, for a variety of reasons. So I think that he'll be counted on to keep those sack numbers high and try to get the, the total defense much better. Um, and then, of course, you know, those two rookie wide receivers, I don't know if either of them are going to step up. I don't know if both of them are going to step up, like you said, but they're definitely being asked to do a lot as rookies uh, with Adams now gone. Uh, but my my number one pick that I would have gone with and, you know, had he uh, been taken, I had those guys as backups, but he wasn't. And that's Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's going to be an awesome player in the NFL. I think he should have gone number one overall to Jacksonville. And I think the lions are very fortunate that they were able to get the, the homegrown product with the number two pick. And I think he's someone who, if he lives up to the billing right away as a rookie, and he's one of the best, not just rookie pass rushers, but overall pass rushers in the league, then that could really help the lions uh, moving forward and being much better than some people expect them to be or actually as as good as the those who think that they can make the playoffs expect them to be i think he's gonna be a big part of that because uh he's someone just like looking at him watching him play in the offseason and the preseason it looks like he can be a special player um right away and for a long time in this league yeah he was the other guy i was considering i just decided go off the board a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, well I guess with Smith, I think you know, I think I think the Vikings will be better than the Lions, so I think he makes a lot of sense as someone who can, yeah. you know, have an impact in terms of uh the the his team, you know, actually being like a, a playoff team whereas Hutchinson could be really good and the Lions could still be 6 and 11. So, yeah. That's another reason why I went mm-hmm. with Smith instead. Yeah, totally fair. Um all right, so bold predictions. Brian's going to hate this one. Oh boy. <laughs> uh the Minnesota Vikings, not the Green Bay Packers, will win the NFC North. Suck it. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, I'm going to say yeah. that the Packers will not choke in the playoffs. Not saying that they're going to win, but they're not going to lose in the way that they always lose, like the Seahawks onside kick. Any time they've ever played the 49ers, like nothing <laughs> like that. If they lose, it's just gonna be a loss. So, like the Atlanta game, eh, like when they just didn't show up. No, I'm saying like it's gonna yeah, be a respectable up. loss if they lose. Like they're gonna be like, you know what, like, the Packers, they went out and they tried. They might have lost by ten, Niners but they were 2013. in it. Yeah. They're not just gonna like. I'm trying to think of a game where like the 49ers I'm last year. I just. I don't know how or why they lost. Like that was so that was as bad. bad as it gets. That was yeah, just that... so bad. So that's what I'm. They literally didn't score an offensive or defensive touchdown in that game, and they still won. Yeah. I just, <laughs> yeah, just incredible. I don't see how, um, how they are gonna choke like that again. I, I just, it's too much. It's too much as a fan. I'd almost rather them just suck every year. like it's like a heartbreak every single year but yeah that's my bold prediction no heartbreak yeah i always say that i'm jealous of like bears vikings and lions fans whose most hated team are the packers because like yeah they had the one super bowl yeah they're good every year but they lose in horrible ways and like they have teams that are seemingly the best in the regular season and they don't win a playoff game like that sounds nice to have a team you hate not have a ton of success uh, in the playoffs every single year. Don't you hate the Browns? 
Yeah, but I mean, compared <laughs> to other teams, they're definitely not the the most. They're they're building up there, I guess. Um, they they beat the Steelers a couple of years ago in the playoffs. They did, Ooh. yeah. Um, but anyway, so my bold prediction. Um, so I guess I'll preface with uh, so my first thing here is probably not super bold. Definitely not super bold. You know, I'm of the opinion that predicting any kind of award is inherently a bold prediction. Uh, you know, given that anyone could win it. But I'm gonna say Aiden Hutchinson, defensive rookie of the year. He wasn't the first one off the board. There were a ton of defensive guys early on, so he does have competition. But I do think he's gonna be the rookie of the year. But I'll take a step further and say not just defensive rookie of the year, but he will be a pro bowler and i kind of just want to throw it all out there and say second team all pro i'm gonna say that he's gonna have a monster first year yes i like that just uh yeah just to take it as bold as possible and you know if (laughs) if all he does is win defensive rookie of the year then i'll take that yeah all right so that'll wrap up the football talk in this one and let's uh move forward with our top five and uh it's gonna be a very creative one at that so something that our guest uh, Brian McAfee chose our favorite, or sorry, Nickelodeon characters who we believe should be in the NFL in this week's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So before we get into this, explain your uh, your creative uh, process on this one. Well, Brian said as a suggestion that we do villains and i was like thinking about villains from spongebob who was the guy um with the blue head and the red suit he was uh mermaid man's like the bad guy oh rayman yeah so i was oh, already rayman? i was or, or no man ray man ray man ray man ray man ray i was thinking of him and then brian also mentioned a draft and i was like huh who should we have from Nickelodeon who I think could play in the NFL? Top five. <laughs> it's a very, yeah, it's, it's a fun one. Probably one of the uh, most creative we've ever done on this podcast. So uh, I guess, you know, Brian Wells, why don't you get started? Uh, you know, I know you're a big famous uh, Nickelodeon fan. Yeah, I, 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 think I, I think I got a good list of guys that can play in the NFL. At number five. I have Jet Fusion from uh, from the show Jimmy Neutron. He wasn't in a lot of episodes, but he was in a couple. Uh, and he uh, Jet Fusion was uh, he played as a he was an actor, movie actor, but also a secret agent. And and he's got he's got big muscles. He's in a tuxedo, but he's got he's got these big muscles. He's like six, over six feet, probably two hundred fifty pounds. I'd imagine big muscles and really into to action movies and I I'd imagine if, if he didn't get into to acting or or being a spy, like uh Agent X, I I think uh he'd someone that would like to be a be a football player. And I I think he's someone that would have what it takes. I think there'd be a lot of good marketing uh for Jet Fusion because he's got a cool catchphrase where he says, got a jet and I think uh, if he were on the Jets, it'd be great. I mean, they could sell a lot of T-shirts where it says "Got a Jet." Go. And uh-huh. uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but so he was in one episode where it was like an hour-long one where Jimmy Neutron has to uh, get get agent uh, secret agent back uh, from being captured, and it would end up being Jet Fusion, who his idol. And then the other episode that he was in, I remember he was getting married, 
I don't know if you remember the character Beautiful Gorgeous. Beautiful the, Gorgeous, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. who was the villain, the daughter of Professor Calamitous. And so they were getting married, but she actually tried to do it as a, uh, she did it as a plan to kill Jimmy Neutron. And the thing was, uh, Jet Fusion, he would have to say, he would have to go up and get married, but then Jimmy would have to say, I have the ring, being the best man. And then all of a sudden that hip hypnotization would uh he would go to jimmy and kill him and 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 then all of a sudden everyone in the crowd start, started singing i have the ring to ruin her plan i don't know do you guys remember that episode yes I, uh, yeah. I remember it okay yeah time, i thought that yeah. was a great episode uh, and i think it'd be cool another marketing campaign if jet fusion were to play football and win the super bowl he could say i have the I ring, have the ring. Oh. <laughs> so yeah i think there'd be a lot of great uh Marketing campaigns and T-shirts sold if Jet Fusion were in the NFL. So I'm going to go with Jet Fusion as my number five. I love that pick. Yeah, I I do too. I love Jimmy Neutron. Uh, starting off Jet Fusion is a, a great way to get <laughs> us going. Fun, yeah. Uh, for the marketing, I actually thought about Chip Skylark because all the ladies love him, and I thought he'd sell a lot of oh, jerseys, yeah. but I wasn't sure. Shiny how teeth good. and me. I wasn't sure how <laughs> yeah. great it'd be at football, so instead I oh, went... No, save him for the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, I, I went with pearl crabs um simply <laughs> for the fact that nobody is blocking her like who is blocking pearl crabs no one she could also be an offensive lineman pancake blocks every time no one's getting past her and no one is stopping her on the offensive and defensive line pearl crabs she's literally a whale she is a big force to try to block i don't think anyone could do it <laughs> i'm just trying to picture in my mind uh, Pearl playing football, and I, I could see it. I could see it. She's a whale. Want to block her? I mean, it might be yeah. kind of hard to throw over her. Yeah, remember but... when she was? Uh, remember when she was in the talent show, and she's like, "Give me a K R U," and yeah. then all of a sudden, everyone started flying. Yeah, yeah. She was just uh, taking everybody out, like left she, and right. If she did every, if she did that on the football field, yeah, she would take everyone out. She'd get to the quarterback, and she'd be unstoppable. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Her and my next pick go hand in hand, but we'll save that. Yeah, I think that uh, you naturally gravitate toward any big, giant character, whether they show them being an athlete or not, and say, yeah, they can be an offensive <laughs> lineman or a defensive lineman. <laughs> uh, and that's my logic by number five, also from SpongeBob, Larry the Lobster. He's a bodybuilder on the show, but to me, that's all he really has to be. We know he thrives off adrenaline. I think he'd be a perfect NFL player. And you know, we kind of talk about these other guys. I don't know if it's rushing the quarterback or protecting the quarterback, but I think that uh, it'd be pretty seamless to put a, a giant lobster in there, and uh, he'll he'll do everything he can to to make an impact in the league. So I love that. Who's who's gonna stop Larry? Only Pearl, right? Yeah, only Pearl. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Well, speaking of stopping Larry, I think I got the guy who could stop Larry, and so my number four. I went with Jorgen Von Strangle. Look at that guy. He's a tank. He'd be a tank in the NFL. I don't know what position he'd play, but whatever it is, he'd excel at it. You could see him as a lineman, offensive or defensive lineman. Uh, you could, you could, maybe he could be that big Mike Allstott looking kind of running back. Uh, guy's huge. Uh, he would definitely excel in the NFL, especially if if you're a Dean lineman and Timmy Turner was the quarterback or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could see him killing it uh, on the football field so, yeah. you got to put him at Jorgen linebacker. von strangle yeah linebacker yeah that's yeah. what he's made he's got, for he's, yeah. 
I think I think he's a great Can pick. He? I um I totally missed him, and then I saw him. I was like, yeah, all right, that, that was a good one for for B Wells at, at number four too. Can he use his yeah. wand? Like, does he have wishes? Yeah, and that's another thing. Maybe he could use his wand and right. just. The, that was one thing that I was trying to factor in. Do you throw in like superpowers and magic? And well, the stuff? thing is, because yeah, uh, then you pick all fairly for, odd parents, right? For uh. the thing was, but for for the fairly odd parents, they, they had like a rule book, and uh. you can't do a wish uh, that helps you win in competition. So I yes, you probably couldn't even use his point. One. Yeah, so he would just have to be based off of his uh, his yeah. sheer. Wow. Which like he could if he that, could you know, use his powers for, for competition, though, he'd probably be number one on my list. Uh, <laughs> it would be yeah. unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, very good point. Well, my number four is basically Jerome Bettis from SpongeBob and Mrs. Puff. Like I said, who who's going to tackle that? She is a puffer fish no one wants to tackle that she's spiky and she's following pearl crabs no one's taking her down she is the bus 2.0 she's just gonna hand it off every time every time to miss puff and just run right behind pearl crabs and that's a touchdown you're not stopping yeah but when she gets yeah but when so when she was in boating school when spongebob would take a test spongebob would crash a lot and all of a sudden she'd Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, if which probably would tries, help, actually. Yeah. If anyone tries, anyone to, tries tackle to tackle her, her she's she gonna just... puff up, and they're gonna go flying. Yeah. <laughs> she's got the ultimate stiff arm. Yeah, and she's got pearl crabs blocking for her. Oh, that, that's a that's a deadly that, combo. Yeah, I mean, literally deadly. <laughs> <laughs> the the puffer fish. <laughs> um, no, that's a, that's another great pick. And honestly, if you talk about uh, SpongeBob characters, I think that is a. Uh, the the fact that she's a puffer fish, you know, has the the puffy thorns. I think that makes her um, really the the big pick that uh, we should have gone with and factored in. Um, another one, just a big character. Um, so for my number four, this is kind of uh, thinking as the younger version of him, given that he's like forty in the show. But it's Raymundo Rocket from Rocket Power. He's the dad. And uh, his his main role in the show is to be the dad, be the owner of uh, I can't think of the name, but the the food place that they always go to. And um, in his younger days, and really I guess as an an adult as well, he's a great surfer. So we know that he's good at staying on his feet in tough situations, no matter what's coming at him. Just screams like a perfect offensive line, and I think he could be a great left tackle. That's where I would plug him in there. I thought about going with uh, Tito just because he is, uh, you know, a bigger boy. He probably could be uh, even more of a, a threat at times. But I was a big fan of Raymundo with the show. I still to this day uh, can't help myself from sometimes saying "Kula uh, Rooney." Say it with me, "Kula Rooney," because that was uh, one of his his phrases that he tried to make popular, and everyone made fun of him. But did show him as a younger person and that, and he did look like uh, someone who was very much in shape and could be a solid offensive lineman in the NFL if he were to take that approach instead of going surfing. Yeah. All right, so I think it's a miracle that there have been three SpongeBob characters mentioned and one of them hasn't been <laughs> from me yet, but Listen, I'm going to go with a, high on your list. <laughs> uh yeah, and uh I so this is a SpongeBob character, but he doesn't really have a name and the so the fish the the character I went with is the Popeye sailorfish and if you have any clue what I'm talking about? It's the fish that's in line in front of Sandy and SpongeBob at the Salty Spittoon, and I remember how tough of a guy he he was. I I think 
I think I was thinking about putting Larry, but it's like, you know what, Larry, he's got the muscles, but I think this guy has the grit, the toughness, the mean, mean, uh, yeah, mean grit to succeed in the NFL as a, some sort of defensive lineman. And yeah, in, in the, in that episode, he talked about like, yeah, if you want to get in this salty's platoon, you, you got to have muscles and you got to have muscles on your muscles. And then you have to have muscles on your eyeballs. <laughs> and then and then he gets to the front and he's like, Welcome to the Salty Spittoon. How tough are you? How tough am I? I ate a bowl of nails for breakfast breakfast this morning. Without any milk. Oh yeah. yeah, right this way, sir. Yeah. So if he can get in the Salty Spittoon, he can definitely get in the NFL. Yeah. So he's in, he's my number three. He'd be uh if you, if you got Pearl and Mrs. Puff on offense and you got this guy lining up on your defensive line, you got a team that could uh, do some big things. Yeah, that would be yeah, crazy he, me, meeting at the line between um, the Sailor Fish guy, Jorgen Von Strangle, and then Pearl and Mrs. Puff. I mean, that would be brutal impact right there. Yeah, can, can you imagine telling – so he's on he's on – the defensive line. Can you imagine telling an offensive lineman like, "I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning without, without any <laughs> milk," and then you he just he just gets shook, and then you just uh, he just takes him out, and then it gets to the quarterback. Yeah, he was one of the first names that I instantly thought of. Um, I decided not to go with him partially because I didn't know how to describe him, and then also just you know wanted to throw out a different SpongeBob character in the end. But uh, he for sure would be a terrifying person to line up against on a football field. I got I'm I'm setting up with a terrifying defense uh with my first yeah. three guys. Yeah, yeah, you really do have a lot of defense right there actually. Mine was all <laughs> offense. Everybody on offense actually, except Pearl, both sides. Uh but my number 3 was Danny Phantom and I was thinking if he changes into a ghost, it'd be kind of hard to cover that. But if he's not allowed to use his powers, I'm not sure he's too great. So is he allowed yeah, to be a that ghost? That was or my not? problem with him. Uh huh. Because I mean, as a ghost, he's probably like literally no one could find him. He'd, he'd just be invisible and untackable. <clears throat> but so that is, I know that is a big key there. Yeah. Well, I guess he could be replaced by David Hasselhoff. I mean that that guy's SpongeBob movie. Yeah, he is very much in shape. He swam very far, very quick. I'm sure he can move a football very far, very quick, especially with his teammates, Miss Puff and Mr. Krabs or Pearl Krabs. So I guess if uh, Danny Phantom can't use his ghost powers, then I'll take David Hass off. Hey, well, the beauty of this list is it's literally impossible for any of these to make the nfl anyway so we can put whatever rules we want in this and uh we could justify your daddy phantom pick well david hasselhoff technically could he could you're right i guess that is the one one exception here given that he's a real life person <laughs> um not a character though so uh Anyway, my number three is someone different from the Danny Phantom series, one of the main antagonists of the show, and that's Dash Baxter, who is star quarterback of the football team, literally plays every single sport. So he'd have to probably settle on football if he's going to make the NFL. But when I realized that Danny Phantom was kind of questionable with the ghost powers, I decided to go with a different football character on the show. And uh, he's someone certainly has the talent and... um, you know, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the character, given that he is kind of one of the, the villains of the show, at least one of the human antagonists. But, uh, you know, when my options are 
kind of limited to just Nickelodeon characters. I'm naturally going to gravitate towards the ones that actually did play football as someone who could maybe have a shot at going pro. I like that. So, Corey, you mentioned. Oh, so Corey, you mentioned how for these characters, it's maybe impossible to make the NFL. Well, my number two, technically, according to Drake, uh, did play in the pros, but not very long because of a head injury. And my number two is Zeke Braxton. If you have any idea who that is, he was the janitor in Drake and Josh for one episode because. Uh, so so Josh, he tried out for football and he didn't make the team. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, oh, I made the team. And he's like, equipment manager. And so he was the equipment manager, but he also made brownies one day for the players. And then Megan did something to the brownies. And then all of a sudden a bunch of guys on the football team got food poisoning. And so because of that, Josh had no choice but to play center for for the team. And against one of the toughest teams in the state, uh, Lincoln High School. <laughs> and uh, Josh was not up for the idea, so they came up with the idea. Uh, Jake came up with the idea of, uh, let's get the janitor, Zeke Braxton, former pro player, but did not, again, did not play very long at all because of head injuries. And uh, and they even offered 10000 bucks <laughs> to to do it. And... Yeah, I thought uh, I, th- I thought he uh, I thought this was a good choice. He definitely would help out on the offensive line, especially if he's healthy. So, yeah, Zeke Braxton protecting protecting Mrs. Puff uh, in the run game. I think uh, can make a big difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, given that he did, you know, in in canon play in the NFL, he's probably the the best choice in this whole thing uh, of <laughs> be in the NFL. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, who are you kids, and what are you doing in my hallway? <laughs> yeah the I, i'm curious how that would fly now because i mean that was what like 2004 before yeah. like the concussion things were a thing and now it's like oh well that's actually like a, a real problem yeah so my number two is auto rocket just based off of the athleticism i've never i don't know if i've ever seen him play football actually but he's been in plenty of competitions of surfing like uh skateboarding and street hockey. And hockey but he is just a star in all of the sports and i think if he put his mind to it he could be great at football maybe a quarterback maybe a cornerback you'll never know but he's good at it and he'll lead my team to the super bowl yeah i mean the one thing Otto has going for him is he's young in the show so maybe as an, uh, an adult he can kind of fill into a body maybe like his dad raymundo and that could help him uh, I went with Raymundo just because of the the body aspect. He looked more like a football player than young Otto did, but I I was tempted to go with Otto here. Yeah, uh, really great character regardless. Raymundo's more of a sure thing. He's already he's already yeah. there. Exactly. I know. I think had we just said professional athlete, there would have been way too many options or chosen a different sport. If you did a basketball, there'd be so many options that we could go with. But I was like, ah, I don't know if basketball and football always translate. Uh, you know, outside of a handful of tight ends. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of athletes in Nicktoons. I think football was a good one, and given that they're limited uh, football player options. but Oh, my list, my list would look a lot different when we did basketball. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, my number two is a, a football player, and really the only um, 
live action character on my list and that is vince blake from zoe 101 uh you know we talked about this back in january when we had bmac on for our nfl playoffs preview with just the show in general you know how much how big of fans the two of you are of it and i thought i would be uh remiss to to leave vince blake off he was the star quarterback of pca and, um, you know, I think, like I said, if there's someone who played football in the show, they're naturally going to be a top choice on my list. He's someone who also, you know, he got expelled from the school for beating up uh, Chase, Logan and Michael. But I think that also showed that, you know, the whole team had his back and that he's a, a team player and someone who, as the show goes on, becomes a much nicer, friendlier person that people start to like. I think that could kind of go well for him as uh as well in his uh his desires uh to be a good enough athlete to make it to the nfl so uh vince blake my number two and And he is my number one vince blake yep Yep. uh star quarterback high school football prodigy and probably had a chance at playing in the pros who knows but yeah there is a moment where he cheated on a test, and Chase called him out on it, and he got suspend- suspended from the football team. And then, yeah, he ended up beating not only Chase, but also Logan and Michael as well. And, oh, and Mark Del Figolo, right? And Mark Del- Can't forget Mark Del Figolo. <laughs> stuck in the basketball hoop. Can't forget that. Uh, it's messed up. Yep. <laughs> yep. So even though he was this big star football player in high school at Pacific Coast Academy. He also had a a, a, a douchey side to him, uh, thinking that he was like the next big thing. But yeah, he took a shortcut trying to cheat on the test and probably cost him a f- career in the NFL. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, he'd be the star quarterback uh, on my football team uh, for Nickelodeon stars, and that's why he's my number one. I like that too, but he was not as good of a pick as Auto Rocket to lead the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> My number one is Gerald Johansson from Hey Arnold. That guy is an athlete through and through. He looks like Barry Sanders pretty much. Uh, he wears a jersey at all times. He's always ready to play. Never seen him do bad in any sports. You know, good friend uh, to Arnold. So I think for sure. He's my number one pick. He's got some speed. He's gonna he's gonna bring the talent. He's got some swag. Yeah, he's too. got some swag. Yeah, I, bring some swag to the team. Yeah, I, I like Gerald. He, he uh, I was definitely a big fan of Hey Arnold, and uh, Gerald is a big reason why. Great, great friend. Yeah, uh, to Arnold, and yeah, definitely athletic. If we were doing top five basketball, I think you Gerald would, would be on my absolutely. List. He yeah, would absolutely be on my, be on my list. list. It's really a yeah. question of how high up. Uh, right. That that was the one thing where I was like, didn't know, like I said, how easily Transition. basketball translates into football at times. But Gerald's still a great pick. Anytime you can throw out Gerald on a top five, it's, it's worth it, yeah. even if it doesn't make the most sense uh, in the end. Uh, definitely a great character on a great show. Hey Arnold. So. I can't believe they're already almost done with this. Like this is like the fastest top five we've ever done. Um, so another reason to love this topic, but uh, my number one, I'm going to go with. So like I said, it's easy to pick someone who is like a football player in shows. I'm going to go someone who 
He's a football player in one episode, but in that episode is like the best football player, and that is Jenny Wakeman, aka XJ9 from My Life as a Teenage Robot. There is a football gridiron glory episode where she tries out to be a cheerleader is you know too strong and robotic to be a cheerleader but when asked to throw a football to the uh tree morton high school star quarterback jock the only guy who's good on the team she throws it so fast that it basically takes him out and the coach says you're the starting quarterback sorry jock get out of here and jenny takes a high school that hadn't won single game in five years all the way to the district championship game where she goes up against jock playing for polytech and him and the nerds cheating and once they figure out uh, the cheating power she's able to take over and ends up leading this team to the district championship the results are there if she decided to stick with her football career she would ultimately be good enough to make it in the nfl and be a star quarterback there now there is a little bit of a well if the magic and the ghost powers and all that stuff don't count does being a robot count i don't know that is who she is always it's not an on off switch but i thought that uh you know this like i said there's there's no right or wrong answer because it's literally impossible for any of this to happen uh i thought i'd throw her out there and make her my number one i think that's a great pick actually that's probably the most logical like pick (laughs) out of everybody (laughs) mine was just sheer size and grit (laughs) Uh-huh. This might have been my favorite top five ever. <laughs> this was it was a really fun top five. Yeah, I, I was questioning at first, but I'm, I'm glad that we did. Yeah, so, I I, I was guess, thinking about Terry Crews, but I wasn't really sure if he counted uh, or not. So. Well, you say Terry Crews, yeah. So what what like you're the dad on Everybody Hates Chris? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I know, and that that's one where um it's not a Nickelodeon right. show. It was just that's like, why I decided against syndication. It. Yeah. Uh huh. So I'm glad that you did that. And I, I think it's fun kind of talking about Nicktoons and trying to make them athletes. So my, definitely a really good top five. <laughs> my uh, honorable mention was Harold from uh, Hey Arnold, a different Hey Arnold character. Oh, yeah. Because he, uh-huh. he's, a, he's a big guy. He's a kind of a bully. But I think, I think with Harold, there'd be too many off-the-field issues because Harold, uh, he, he had that episode where he was overweight and then he went on a cruise to lose weight but then he came back and gained more weight so there would be you know some physical uh things to worry about with when it comes to harold and then i remember another episode where he he liked this cat cupcake <laughs> or he called it cupcake he found this cat and it ended up belonging to someone else but he wouldn't give it away and all of a sudden the cops just show up outside his house <laughs> and just I think there's some off the field issues with Harold, uh, you know, it, not yeah. not being in the best physical condition and stealing cats that aren't his and <laughs> be on the news. So I, I just had to leave Harold off the list. <laughs> yeah, no off the field concerns. I mean, that makes it almost more real. Yeah, that's true. Maybe wild. maybe fit right in with the NFL then. <laughs> character. Yeah. Wolfgang would have been a good one from Hey Arnold. Yeah, I know. I considered his Wolfgang. bio said literally torturing fourth graders, which might be considered <laughs> a big problem when you're 20 years old. Uh, well, he's a fifth grader. I know, but once if he still likes torturing yeah. fourth graders he when he's in the NFL, it's a, it. it's a bit uh, of a problem. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, no, there's probably a lot of other characters. I mean, even talk about the salty spittoon fish. That's somewhat of a side character. There are probably other characters that just show up in random episodes that we might be overlooking. But I like that uh, we're able to give a good variety in here. Not a whole lot of duplicates. Um, definitely covered a lot of different Nickelodeon classics. So, all right. Brian, thank you for uh, coming back on and helping us wrap up the AFC North, or really the whole NFL season preview with the AFC North and NFC North. Um, Packers play the Patriots in October, so potential, uh, you know, get the two of you on to, to recap how that one plays out. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the Patriots are going to get destroyed in that game. I'd imagine <laughs> they'll be like a touchdown underdog at least. Oh, yeah, uh, pretty much. I guess uh, the one thing, you are moving to Hawaii in a couple weeks, so there is going to be a five-hour time zone, but that should be a cool experience. Are you excited to go out there? I am. Yeah, it should be fun. Tough with the time difference, have, but other than that, yeah, uh-huh. should be good. Have you been to Hawaii before? Nope, never been. All right. So we'll see. I'm sure that you'll I'm sure you'll enjoy it out there. I've only heard good things. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So next time we're on, we'll be reacting to actual NFL regular season games. So looking forward to that one. Uh, For our guest host, Brian McAfee, current regular co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. 